guys, welcome to a new episode of the Inspired Eye podcast. And today we're going to talk about uh, studium to rectum pericardium. Is that correct? We are not making fun of Roland Barthes. We don't do. There's other people that do that, that, that do say all the books and even from the masters are garbage, and you'll see things with the new light. But we don't do that. Okay. Oh, sorry, man. We're we're, we're going to talk about uh, studium and punctum from Roland Barthes. Camera Lucida. That's a, that's a nice book there. It's kind of complicated, actually, but it's one of the two um, biggest works on the, the philosophy of photography. Uh, the other one being from uh, yeah. Suzanne Sontag's On Photography, and the second one is Roland Barthes' Camera Lucida. These are the two biggest philosophical works on uh, photography. What's interesting is that these guys were actually, well, both of them are not photographers, they're philosophers. But they really have some good points. One point that that's very important for uh, photographers, and we thought we'd share with you, is uh, a point that Roland Barthes made in his um, Camera Lucida. It's about the studium and the punctum. So, Don, what what are these? Basically, I mean, we want to keep things as simple as possible because people, most people, do not read this book. Most people will never read this. It, book. It's I must admit, it's the kind of book that you cannot you cannot read without your mind. Some books you can. You know, it's just going to flow like, oh, all right, all right. But this guy, if you miss just one word, it's like, what is he talking about? Because he's getting into complex stuff really quickly, you know. No, you got to have your heart there, not your head. Well, your heart. You're inside his head. you got to have your heart. And then it's 119 pages. When I decide to read that book, which I've done countless times, when I decide to read it, it's like on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. I'll sit there and start reading and not stop until I until I'm done reading it. I read the whole entire book at one shot. It's 120 pages, a couple of hours, you're done. I'll say I'll say the first time you got to read it with your with your head to understand what he's saying. The second time and afterwards you can read it with your heart. But anyways, we're gonna cut it down for you. Uh, one of the really 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 good points he made is about the uh, studium of the photograph and the punctum of the photograph. So uh, what are these, man? Okay, so essentially. Um, the studium is the study or the landscape of the image. We're, you know, don't take it literal, the word landscape. We're talking the landscape, what the eye is seeing, the eye is looking, the overall general information, the scene that you're looking at in a photograph. The punctum is the punch. The punctum is the punch. It's like, like if you tell a joke, you, you know, you have a really good joke going, you know, everybody's like listening, listening, and then you stop and there's no punchline. It's like, yo, dude, you know. What's that about? There's no punchline. The punchline is the punctum. So when you so in a photograph, there is definitely a, stu, a study of the landscape, the studium, and the punctum or the punch of the image. Now here, the problem is, and it's not a problem, but 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 it is a problem. The, the problem is that 99% of all the photographs made are beautiful studiums, beautiful studies, but they don't have the punch. The guys that really know what they were doing with photography have the punch. And you don't get it all the time either because it's photography. It's a fleeting image, like a fleeting butterfly. It's not like you're painting and you have control of your 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 uh, your reality in front of you. With photography, you only have a certain amount of control. So you'll, you'll see like these great photographs and there's, there's like, you know, they're great to look at and stuff. You know, they're really nice. It's great looking, but there's no punch to the photograph. And the punch is what gets you in there and say, whoa. What an image. Think of the Eddie Adams photograph of, of the, the general getting like shooting shooting the guy in the back of the head. In um in, in Vietnam, right? In Vietnam. Take the gun away and there's no punch to the image. Mm -hmm. Because the the when you put the gun there, that implies that 
there's a mortal fraction of a second that's going to happen, and someone's going to die. Someone's brains are going to be blown out all over the street. And that's exactly what happened. That's the punch. So think about, you know, you're looking at a street. It's Vietnam. There's people standing around, the, the architecture and stuff like that, the smoke and everything. And, and all of a sudden, this guy's got this gun, point-blank range of someone's head. That's the punch. To him. Now, 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 I'm not saying that everybody has to be able to try to find find, you know, someone shooting something in the back of the head. It does happen. But the thing is that when you're when you're making photographs, you know, you I mean you go through and you just like click, 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 click. And you're not you're not waiting for the punch. Actually what really happens in the scene, especially when I was teaching my workshops, this is what I would teach. You're not looking for the studio. 99% of the people are out there looking for the studio. I don't teach that. You go out there and look for the punch. When you find a punch you know, you see something, oh, wow, that'd make a great photograph, you know. That's what I'm looking for. You'll find the scene or the studio right there. It'll be there. Find the punch first. Don't look for, you know, for the studio. Look for the punctum. Actually, Roland Bart in his book, uh, he talks about uh, photojournalism in it. And basically, for the studio, he talks about most photojournalistic work. You know, you look at it and it does not, It's it can be a nice photograph, but it doesn't not grip you because there's missing in that the punctum. He actually gives another example of photojournalism work. Uh, the example he uses uh, to nuns and uh, soldiers, you know, to, um, to contrast the uh, juxtaposition between some nuns on the left and some soldiers on the right. So that's the punctum for the, for the photograph. More recently, what we can, do, we can use, well, first of all, uh, Roland did say that trying to explain it, you basically defeat the purpose of, of the studium and punctum. But if you go look at the second issue of Inspired Eye in it, if you look up uh, to photographer Paul McGurk, this guy for me, he is the definition of studium and punctum. For example, there's a photograph of a shoeless man. You know, if you, you look at the whole scene, it's a shoeless man, and then you realize that he's in front of a shoe store. So, Don, in this picture, exactly what is the studium and what is the punctum? It's pretty obvious. I mean, the studium is the location. It's like you're standing in Times Square and you're at a shoe store. There's people around us in the street and everything. And the punctum is not the guy standing there. The punctum is the ox. It's like it's almost like an oxymoron. You're in front of a shoe store. This guy has no no shoes on his feet. We have to step forward and we have to not be philosophers. We have to be photographers. Yeah, that's the practical side. Yeah, the practical side. I mean, because we are photographers and Barthes was not. Yep. Okay, but he was a great person to appreciate photography. I never put him out. I admired a guy. He was like he taught me so much just from reading his books. You know, essentially, photographically, what are we talking about when we look at that photograph? We see a shoe store, the window of a shoe store with a bunch of shoes in it. We see the cold, wet ground. We see, you know, the surrounding area. We see this guy, like they call him a vagabond, but I don't like call. Him. He's just a guy down on down on his luck. You're standing. You don't have any money or nothing. He's standing there. It's obviously cold, and he's got bare feet in front of a shoe store. Welcome to America. What are we talking about? Studium and punctum? No. We're not talking about studium and punctum. We talk about that as the literal translation, like we would talk about F11 at 125th of a second, ISO 200. That's the technical thing. The emotional thing that we're talking about is juxtaposition, because juxtaposition is a term that we can all relate to. We're not going to relate to studium and punctum. 
Some of us will, some of us won't. But if you filter that down, essence of what it means, it's juxtaposition. That's what it is. The juxtaposition of this man standing there with nothing, no shoes, the basic necessity. No shoes on his feet in front of a shoe store. That's a juxtaposition that makes a strong, powerful statement. Technically, it's the studium and the punctum. For photographers, it's a juxtaposition. Well, this guy, um, Paul McGurk, he has, if you look at his photographs, mostly all of them, you know, they're full of juxtaposition. And one, there's people on Segway. If you don't know, Segway is like a wheelie thing that you can, you don't need to walk. You know, you just go on it and it automatically, if you just lean forward, is automatically going to go forward. And right in front of the photograph, you know, you have this girl. She's all bent down and she's begging for money. You know, yeah, she's exactly. just begging for her life. So this is this is a good a good image of juxtaposition. And he has another one, which is actually it's it's pretty cool. There's um there's a tree, and the tree has a square. It's a square shape. You know, it's yeah. there's a square hole for some reason on that tree. And if you look at the bottom right of the photograph, you see a truck, <laughs> which the which is the the same the same uh the same shape. Got logs on the back of it. <laughs> that's like you know that that's, makes a square shape. That, that's that's yeah. absolutely a great photograph. So what what would be your tips to to uh, look for the punctum in in, in, in a scene? Well, I, I think that I, I, I like, and I've talked about this a million times on uh, in forums on on our on our site, my site, on on the thing here. Everything is based on juxtaposition. You really have to give the most important single element for photographers is juxtaposition because it means a lot of things. I could have something written in Japanese on the left and something in French on the right and something in English on the bottom. That's juxtaposition. Yeah, we, right? we, we need to define what juxtaposition is. You cannot escape it, just like you cannot escape contrast. You know, contrast is always there. It might be low contrast, it might be high contrast, but whatever it is, there's always contrast. So it's the same thing for just the juxtapositions, you know, there's always juxtapositions, even if, you know, it's a very unsuccessful juxtaposition or it can be successful, but it's always there. And the goal is to always find some successful juxtapositions, right? Uh, well, of course. I mean, why would you go out and say, oh, I want to see if I can fail some photographs today? You know what I mean? I want to see if I go out and make a mess of myself, you know, and prove to my wife that I wasted my money on my cameras. I don't think we, anybody wants to do that except for the women who would do it with their husbands or boyfriends or whatever. It, it, it really depends on the kind of work that you do. You know what I mean? It really, it really does. It depends. It depends on the kind of work that you do. But if you look at any photograph, successful photograph from anybody, the first thing that you will notice that will grab you and bring you in the photograph is a juxtaposition of one form or another. Nothing else. True. That gets you in. If, that, if it's not there, you're not going into the photograph. Arguably, the the most successful photograph. I mean, well, successful. The most um, uh, popular photograph. One of them is the the Brisson's jumping man. Yeah. So that there's well. just, it's very highly popular, very highly recognizable. You know. Uh, so there's juxtaposition in this. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have. I think. I think that what what people have to do is uh, put the camera down, put the lenses down, turn off the light meters. You know, turn off the computer, and sit back and just think about. What juxtaposition means to them. Do not go to Webster's or the, uh, what do you call the, the Internet Dictionary or something. Look up the word juxtaposition. You are wasting your time. You're going to be just like everybody else who reads that definition. Juxtaposition is normally for a photographer is two opposing forces working together in the photograph. Two opposing forces. That does not mean that they have to be opposing. They can be two like forces. 
But normally it's like the like they say opposites attract. Hot, hot and cold, black and white, top and bottom, you know, opposites attract. So that's the normal juxtaposition. I'm not even gonna tell anybody. This is how you do it. You know how you do it? You do it the way you want to do it. You do it the way you can. Nobody has the right or the power ever and the energy to say that you were wrong in what you do. Absolutely nobody. We all pay for our sins in the end. Until then, we're all on our own. Do not take advice from anybody. So decide what juxtaposition means to you. What what is, what is it? Does it mean like like uh, does it mean like a really nice plush shopping center and and people uh, you know people walking by with, with a lot of like obviously like Gucci bags and stuff and then there's like a person sitting there on the on the curb trying to collect money. That's a very strong juxtaposition. It's also it's also a very strong social statement. But we're talking juxtapositions first. That could be it. Maybe that is something you go out and you look for. I mean, I look for homeless people all the time, but I have my reasons for looking at homeless people. I've been doing it for, you know, for 45 years. I make photographs of homeless people when I see them. I make a little note, usually on my, now on my iPhone, I just say like fifth and market, bloop, and then, you know, frame 17 or something, you know. And then I send them in the homeless advocacy group, and they know that someone's hanging in on that corner, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, you know, that can mean something. But Normally, you just have to you just have to come up with your definition of what you want in a photograph and just realize that what you're looking for is the juxtaposition to make things work. And then, of course, you get into things like like you do, which is all the design elements, all that nonsense, you know, lines here or there, red lines, arrows, stuff. What the hell are you talking about? But it is right. But, <laughs> you know, you're I'm, hating on a graphic designer. Uh, I don't want to hear it. None of us want to hear that, Oliver. Get out with your camera. You know, I mean, they even have, you know, the funny thing is if some of the cameras even have like those things in the menus, like you can, you can put like grids up and stuff. So like, I tried it once. I think it was the, I think it was the EP1 or something for making EP1 or EP2, whatever the hell it was, for making juxtaposition. So now I had, I actually had a visual map on the camera, which was really interesting. And I went out. I mean, I didn't make any photographs, because I just, I just loved looking at this map and looking at a scene and framing and stuff, and then seeing dynamic elements work back and forth. I said, wow, this is like such a great, such a great thing. Of course, I didn't make any photographs that day, but I really had a hell of a time looking at <laughs> looking they, at the design. They, they, they always mess up, man. Why, why don't they give us as simple as it is? I mean, I can visualize the the rule of thirds. You know, that's just ah, that's just that's just basic. But you know, the 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 golden rectangle. You never seem to put it there. They don't put it there. But yeah, so something I always stress is that design elements and all the, the laws of, of uh, perception from the Gestalt psycho psychology uh, school, all of these are like grammar. You know, grammar does not make you a poet. You know, you use it in order to to uh, make great words, great phrases. You know, you rhyme, you do all these things. But all of these use grammar, but grammar by itself, you know, it's not going to get you anywhere. So that's, that's one of the things I, I, I always... Uh, uh, stress when it comes to design and design elements and all these things because in the end you know it's all about the the three elements of the i heart and mind you know they work together you when you use your your ep1 you know you you could use the design elements for example to bring um focus to to some juxtapositions you know you can bring attention to the punctum with the design elements if you bring them close for example that that uh, picture of i was talking about with the people on the segway and the per poor person in the front 
You know, the photographer knows that by getting close, you know, he can create a juxtaposition between that person and, and the poor person and the people on the Segway. That photographer, what, what he did is he got close to the to the subject and framed his his um, his shot in a certain way to use the law of proximity that says that you're going to make a link between things that are close together. If he used a certain uh, another field of view or maybe if he used another lens, the distance between the two could be so great that you don't even see the punctum, you know, because the punctum could be lost into the studium. Yeah. So and that's basically what we're talking about is how you do your juxtapositions. Yes, all these things go hand in hand, juxtapositions yeah. and, and, and design principles, um, laws of perception. Everything that we tell you goes hand in hand. That's why we have a holistic view of photography, you know, which is I, heart, and mind. All these things work together to create powerful photographs. Right. There's one, I, I started to add another element. I think now it's you know, very important to put this in there, to underline it's I, heart, mind, and wallet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's, something called, there's something called Sony A7. I mean, you need that wallet. Yeah, well, you, you know, uh, I, I haven't seen a firm price, but I think they're talking like two grand or something for the 24 megapixel. Is that right? Yeah, they're talking two grand for the 24 megapixels and, not, um, and a kit lens, which is not bad in, in, full, no. frame, in, in full frame no. terms, you know. Yeah, no, I don't think so at all. I, and, you know, I, I, I'm really wondering how much of a difference you'll see, uh, no, not in resolution, okay, but your, how much difference you'll actually see in tonal range and dynamic range between the 24 and the 34 megapixel image. Because I'll tell you the truth, like when the Sony Next 6 and the Next 7 that you have, I didn't see a whole lot of difference in the files. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I looked, I, you know, I, you know, I didn't see it. Everybody's telling me, get the next seven, get the next seven. I'm, well, you know, I don't see it. I don't see the difference. Maybe the resolution is certainly, a, you know, the, 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 the scrap in the details is there. Just minute, you know what I mean? But not enough to, to say that, you know, oh, you have to have this. But So I wonder how much of that is really going to be an effect on the between 24 and 34 megapixels with the same lens. And you could actually test it, you know, and see. So, you know, I'm really, you know, I mean, the only thing that really interests me in that camera is being able to put my Leica lenses on, my, more importantly, my Voigtlander lenses. I love my Voigtlander lenses. Pop them on there and really get them into full frame, you know, how they really want to work, you know. That's going to be, that's turning heads, man. Oh, yes, it is. Ugh. Anyways, yeah. guys, thanks for being awesome listeners. Uh, go ahead and subscribe in the podcast if you haven't already. And uh, please sign up our email list. You know you're going to get podcasts and all some, some great articles that I write, Don writes, or somebody else that we find very interesting that, that you would like. So please subscribe on, on our newsletter. You're going to receive it every every Friday, you know, before, uh, before the weekend so you can enjoy all these things during the weekend. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Later.